You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Father, I'm so grateful for this body of believers. Um, I'm humbled that I get to be one of their pastors. And I know Bob and Clint and Todd would say the same thing. It's humbling to be a part of a church family that loves you really well. And so I'm so thankful for each person that's in here today, uh, each person that's joining us online, that is saying, I want to make you a priority. And the word's pretty clear on gathering together. And so uh, they've made you a priority today, and they're here. So Lord, I pray that you would honor their obedience to you, um, that you would bless them for being obedient to you and doing what you've called them to do. I pray that your word would speak to their hearts today as they prioritize you, that as we open Matthew 15, that our hearts would be drawn to you, and uh, we, we just pray that today, Lord, you would be honored and glorified. It was, it was beautiful to hear the singing this morning. Um, it was loud, uh, and that's good. I think that honors you when we gather together and sing loudly to you and really loudly to each other as well to encourage us that we're here today for you. And so thank you for this opportunity. May you use the next 30 minutes of our time together or 45 uh, minutes. May you use it to honor and glorify you in Jesus name. Amen. Every church has one common denominator that runs through it. It doesn't matter where the church is, in the United States, in Africa, in Asia, in Europe. It doesn't matter the size of the church. It doesn't matter the name of the church. And I would say it really doesn't even matter the denomination of the church. Every church has this one common denominator, and it is called hypocrites. Every church has hypocrites. The word itself, hypocrite, was not originally a negative term. The word hypocrite was actually used for an actor, one who would put on a performance. They were known as hypocrites. And so they would put on masks and they would act out a part. So maybe a word we could use today is we call these people actors, right? We watch movies and we watch shows where that's not really who they are. They're just being a hypocrite. They're, they're acting out a part that they are playing in the movie. This is the idea of hypocrites. Well, when Jesus comes along... Jesus uses the word hypocrite, and all of a sudden it goes from being this positive term to being this negative term because Jesus is saying a hypocrite is a person who pretends to follow God but is not really following God. A hypocrite is a person who pretends to follow God but is not really following God. 
If you do research on church world and why people come to church, why people don't come to church, any research that you would look into, you'll find that hypocrisy is one of the top reasons unchurched people don't go to church. Any of the studies that you research, always in at least the top five, hypocrisy, this idea of Christians who say they're Christians, but they don't really act like Christians. There's this pretending going on. It's the top reason people don't come to church. 85% of young people who don't go to church say when they hear the term Christianity, they think hypocritical. 85% of the kids that your kids go to school with, when they hear the term Christianity, they think hypocrites. What's even sadder with this stat that they came out with is 85% of kids outside the church think Christianity hypocrites within the church. So these are our students that go to our student ministry. 50% of them say when they hear the term Christian, they think hypocrite. Maybe a skeptic of Christianity had it right when they defined a hypocrite in this way. A Christian is a person who feels repentance on Sunday for what he did on Saturday and is going to do it again on Monday. Let me read that again. This is a skeptic of Christianity. Their perspective of Christians, a Christian is a person who feels repentance on Sunday for what they did on Saturday and is going to do it again on Monday. Atheist turned Christian Lee Strobel said this of Christians before coming to Christ. The folks who chased me away from the faith were cosmetic Christians. They had a skin-deep spirituality that looked pretty good on the outside, but didn't penetrate deep enough to change the behaviors and attitudes. Frankly, Lee Strobel says, I don't think anything repulses people like the hypocrisy of a cosmetic Christian. When we hear these comments and we listen to these stats, it should grieve our hearts as followers of Jesus Christ. It should grieve our hearts because hypocrisy grieved the heart of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus calls out hypocrisy amongst the religious people of that day. You see, there's this growing, and I've said this for the last several weeks, but there's this growing polarization in Jesus' ministry where you're beginning to see as, as people are seeing who he is, there's either this recognition of who he is and a growing in their faith or there's this rejection of who he is. And so we saw in Matthew chapter 13 towards the end of it that his hometown is rejecting him. They are offended by him. 
Then you come to the the politicians of the day, Herod, and you find Herod rejecting him. But then you see in the midst of this, these group of disciples and the group of people that are beginning to recognize Jesus for who he is. And so last week, what did we see? As the disciples are growing in their awareness of who Jesus is, they say, truly, you are the son of God. They're saying, this is the Messiah that we have been waiting for. And then you come to Matthew chapter 15 and you come to another group of people that this dividing line is beginning to draw itself as a line in the sand where they have to make the choice. So go with me to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 20. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? Uh, sometimes I do this, sometimes I don't. I think today's passage, it'll be good to read it through so that you can get the whole picture of what's going on and then we'll come back and we'll work verse by verse and then we'll land the plane in our hearts together. Uh, Matthew 15, 1 through 20. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not eat with washed hands, or for they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, He need not honor his father and mother. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to him, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. If, and if the blind lead the blind, both fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. This defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. You may be seated. So we encounter this religious group known as the Pharisees and the scribes. And in verse one, it says they came to Jesus from Jerusalem. So they've come about 80 or 90 miles, which takes a good bit of time to come and confront Jesus. And they come to confront Jesus with this question in verse two, why do your disciples Break the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat. This tradition of the elders or tradition or commandments of 
men is this oral tradition that you would follow beyond the word of God, beyond the written word. This was, there was this oral tradition that they basically drew a fence around the word of God and said, this is what you need to do. And so they've done that in this moment with this oral tradition. This tradition of men was that you needed to wash your hands in order to be, be clean. And the written law had come from Exodus chapter 30 and Leviticus chapter 22, where Aaron and his sons and their offspring, the priest, in and before their temple service are to make themselves clean by washing their hands. So that was the commandment. That was the written law. What they had done is drove this fence around it and said, everybody needs to wash their hands to be pure before they eat. So this is not a hygiene issue. This is a purity issue in this culture. And so it says, why aren't your disciples washing their hands before they eat? They had gotten so far away from the written word that they had gotten it down to how much water they should use when they wash their hands. Listen. If a man poured water over the one hand with a single rinsing, his hand is clean. But if over both hands with a single rinsing, then he is unclean because he didn't pour enough on his hand. Like that's how strict they have gotten. That's how high the fence had gotten around the word of God. And these Pharisees and scribes, these religious people come to Jesus and not ask Jesus about him, but they go after Jesus' disciples and say, why do they not wash their hands before they eat? It makes them unclean because what they're putting in their mouth is making them unclean because their hands are unclean. Now the written law only said that the priest had to do this, right, before they did temple service. So this is not for everybody. This is only for the priest. We'll look at how Jesus responds to them in verse three. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So Jesus turns the table on them, right? They're saying, why do your disciples break our tradition Jesus turns the table on them and says, why are you breaking the commandments of God by your tradition? Verse four, for God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. So this is the fifth commandment. And he gives the positive side of it and the negative. Honor your father and mother. That's a good thing. The negative side is if you revile or speak evil of your father and mother, you should be put to death. This is found in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 and chapter 21 and verse 17. So this is the commandment. This is not the oral law. This is the written law that has been given. But here's what Jesus says about them in verse five. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father and mother. This tradition was known as the tradition of Corban. It's the concept of deferred giving. A way that you could picture it today is we have wills, and in the will, we give certain things to certain people. And so what was going on in this time was a, a child who maybe parents needed help 
from them financially, they could say this Corbin, this idea of I'm going to give what I have to the Lord so I can't give it to my mom and dad to help them because I've given it all to the Lord. Now, they could spend it on themselves, right? That was the caveat. They could spend it on themselves and their immediate family, but to spend it on their parents was to break this Corbin, this, this idea of we're deferring it to give it to the Lord after we, we die. And so Jesus says, because they're breaking the commandments, in verse seven, he says, you hypocrites. This is the first recorded instance of Jesus calling the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hypocrites. He says, you bunch of pretenders. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, and he quotes from Isaiah 29 and 13, verse 13, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. So they're taking things like this Corbin idea and they're using these doctrines, the commandments of men. They're making that the law when that wasn't the law. The law was honor your father and your mother. That's the law. That's the written law. And they were making these exterior things, these extra biblical things, they were making that the law, and he says, that's hypocrisy. You're, at that moment, you're pretending. You're you're acting. Verse 10, Jesus calls the people that are standing around them, and he says to them, hear and understand. The idea of hear and understand is what I'm about to say to you is really, really important. So audience, listen up. I've just dealt with the scribes and the Pharisee and how they're breaking the law of God by their traditions. Now I want to talk to you here and understand. And then he gives us a parable in verse 11. Is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person? Is it not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person? So Jesus uses the parable. Remember, a parable is a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth. So he's using a very practical thing in their life. This idea of eating to illustrate the idea of what a hypocrite is. And this defiling yourself where it comes from. So he says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then he talks to his disciples in verse 12. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? The disciples are reading the room thinking, those people ain't too happy, right? The disciple, the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they're, they're pretty upset with Jesus. When you hear that word offended, it ought to remind you of what Jesus said or what Matthew said of Jesus' hometown. Remember what he said of Jesus in, in Jesus' hometown in Matthew 13? They were offended by Jesus. They're tripping over Jesus. And again, Matthew uses the same word here to say of the disciples. They're like, Jesus, they're not getting it. They're offended by you. They're, they're tripping over you when they heard what you said. Verse 13, Jesus answers, Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. 
ouch. Who do you think he's talking about? The Pharisees, the scribes, these hypocrites. He's like, there's a day coming when they're, they're going to be uprooted. There's going to know a difference between who is a hypocrite and who is not a hypocrite. Verse 14, Jesus says, let them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Sort of a funny little picture there Jesus gives. If a blind person is leading a blind person, they're both going to end up in the pit together because one person can't see. And he's saying that the, the Pharisees and the scribes are blind people leading blind people into a pit. Those are some pretty strong words that Jesus is, why use the word polarization? Because that's what's happening here. There's a distinct difference between a hypocrite and a follower of Jesus. Verse 15, Peter piped up and says, Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Where was the parable found? Verse 11, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. So Peter says, Jesus, can you explain this to us? In verse 16, Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Poor Peter, right? Like he gets all of Jesus' uh, sort of comments that we interpret as being sort of snarky with Peter. But I also want to encourage you to remember that Jesus, as we found in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. And so sometimes when we hear like last week with Peter, like, oh, you of little faith, when we see him talking to Peter here, are you also without understanding? I want you to picture Jesus not as what my kids would say or even my wife would say. I have that look when I'm sort of got a critical eye. They're like, dad, can you stop looking at me like that, right? Because they, they know that dad's got a critical eye in that moment. And so they'll say, can you not look at me that way? Jesus doesn't look at us that way. He's not looking at Peter with a critical eye like, come on, Peter, don't you get it, right? He's a a good coach that comes alongside its player and has to tell him for the hundredth time, this is how you do this, this is the proper way to do it, and they do it with love and encouragement. This is how Jesus is coming to Peter. He says in verse 17, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Everybody following Jesus? Well, we'll just leave it at that, right? Verse 18, but what comes out of the mouth, and here's the key, proceeds from the heart. This defiles a person. So he's saying, it's not what is outside of you. It's not clean hands that defiles a person because they don't wash their hands and then they eat and then a germ gets in them, right? Or on something unclean. And so now they're unclean. It's not what is outside of them. Jesus is saying it's what's inside of them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person And Jesus takes us all the way back to verse one. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a person. Jesus tells his disciples, guys, you wanna know where evil thoughts come from? 
They come from your heart. Do you guys want to know where murder comes from? It comes from your heart. Do you guys want to know where adultery comes from? It comes from your heart. Do you guys want to know where sexual immorality comes from? It comes from your heart. Do you want to know where stealing comes from? It comes from your heart. Do you want to know where lying comes from? It comes from your heart. Do you want to know where slander comes from? It comes from your heart. According to Jesus, hypocrisy is a heart issue. What defiles a person is not what is outside of them. What defiles a person is what is inside of them. So listen, in a world that is turned off from Christianity because of hypocrisy, I want you to understand that hypocrisy is not a church issue. Hypocrisy is not a home issue. Hypocrisy is not a work issue. Hypocrisy is not a relationship issue. Ultimately, Jesus is saying hypocrisy, this pretending, this putting on a show is a heart issue. See, hypocrisy says follow Jesus, following Jesus is an outside in deal. Where Jesus says following me is an inside out deal. Hypocrisy says, act more, do more. Jesus says, be more like me, reflect me more. So here's the deal. If you're looking for hypocrites in the church, you're going to find hypocrites in the church. Why? Because hypocrisy is a heart issue and sometimes it takes time for the heart to reveal itself. If hypocrisy was an outward issue, then it'd be easy to pop, spot hypocrisy everywhere. But because hypocrisy is from the heart, because it's a heart issue, it is at times difficult to see and difficult to diagnose. I, I would remind you of the parable of the wheat and the weeds back in Matthew chapter 13. Remember that? Pastor Todd brought that message and he read through it in verse 24 and following there how the, the wheat and the weed grow up together. Yep. And you can't, it's hard to decipher between those. And so Jesus says in Matthew 13 and verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first, those who are hypocrites, those who are not followers of Jesus, and bind them in bundles to be burned and gather the wheat into my barn. So it is possible within the church to have transformation happening as well as hypocrisy growing side by side. Think about it in this way. Have you ever seen cancer? Like with your physical eyes, have you ever seen cancer? I would say most of us have probably never seen cancer, but how many of us have seen the effects of cancer? Amen. I think we could go around the room and hands would go up all over the place. I've seen the effects of cancer. The same is true of hypocrisy. You may not see it, but eventually it is going to come out in your life. 
one day it will be seen. So what is the solution to hypocrisy? How do we not be a people who are like the scribes and Pharisees who are hypocrites, that are pretending, that are setting up these extra biblical rules to follow so that we can, quote, be pleasing to God, but it's all on the outside and it's not on the inside. What is the solution to hypocrisy? It's a new heart. If hypocrisy is a heart issue, and we're thinking, well, what's the solution? It's a new heart. Here's how the prophet Ezekiel would say it when he was quoting the Lord. He says of God, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And what's the result of that? And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Ezekiel is prophesying of God that would come and he would give us a new heart. So what is the solution to hypocrisy? It's a new heart. So this is why Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ, you have a new heart. Say that. Hypocrisy has been rooted out of your life at a heart level because of Jesus Christ. You have a new heart. We would say it in Christian terms you need to be saved. You see, these religious people needed to be saved? Yeah. Because they were relying on their good works. These rules that they had set up beyond the commands of Scripture and they needed a new heart. J.C. Ryle says it this way, what is the first thing we need in order to be a Christian? A new heart. What is the sacrifice God asks us to bring to him? A broken and a contrite heart. What is true circumcision? The circumcision of the heart. What is genuine obedience to obey from the heart? What is saving faith to believe with the heart? Where ought Christ to dwell? To dwell in our hearts through faith. If you see hypocrisy in your life, the solution to the hypocrisy in your life is not more rules. It's not more Bible studies. It's, it's not more groups. It's not more giving. The solution to hypocrisy is a new heart. Now, if you've been a Christian quote for a long time and it's like, well, I got a new heart and you still are struggling with hypocrisy for years upon years upon years, then I would caution you and challenge you to consider your heart. Because I'm not asking if you prayed a prayer, if you've been baptized, if you've taken communion, 
If you've gone to mass, if you've prayed five times a day, I'm not asking you any of those questions. I'm asking you, do you have a new heart? Have you done what Romans 10, 9 says? You believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth. Has there been that moment in your life? See, my goal to you today is not to offer you Christians. My goal today is to offer you Christ. Say that. Christianity is not based on how a Christian lives. Christianity is based on who Jesus is. That's what we're beginning to see when they see Jesus and they say, truly you are the son of God. They're not looking at the religious leaders and saying, look at these hypocrites. I can't follow Jesus because of them. No, they're saying, look at who Jesus is. And today I am offering you Christ. And if you receive Christ, you get a new heart. And from that new heart, you begin to live a life that is genuine and real. But it starts with a new heart. If you have a new heart and you see hypocrisy in your life, And I would say, to some degree, we all would struggle with hypocrisy, right? That the way we talk is different at times than the way that we live. And so could I commend to you some passages from Psalms for you to pray when you see hypocrisy creeping back into your new heart. Psalms 51 and verse 10, David prayed, create in me a clean heart, Oh God, that's a good place to start. When you begin to see hypocrisy creeping into your life, when you begin to see that you live one way here, one way with your group, but like the person that is a skeptic of Christianity says, it doesn't match what happens on Sunday, then you need to start praying, Lord, create in me a clean as you expose the areas of my life that don't match up with what I say I believe from last week, I pray that you would create in me a clean heart that does believe those in follow. I think of another passage in Psalms 51, verse 17, where it says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Listen to this. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. When we, as followers of Jesus, see hypocrisy in our lives, and we pray, Lord, create in us a clean heart because we come before him with a broken and a contrite heart. Here's the promise he gives us. He doesn't reject us. In fact, he probably says what he says to Peter. Don't you understand? Like here, let me, let me explain it to you again because I love you and I want you to be more like me because the Lord doesn't reject a broken and a contrite heart. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Maybe today you sit in this room and, or you're watching online and for you, 
you're the skeptic. In fact, maybe you're in this room today and it's like, I'm pretty much done with Christians and church because there's so many hypocrites. You know, I guess for me, I would say, I, I understand. Welcome to my job, right? Like you, you have to deal with that. And you see that repeatedly in people's lives where like a week maybe doesn't go by that I don't say, I, I thought that person didn't think that way or live that way. But I'm not here to sell you to Christians today. Like, that's not my goal is for you to see Christians and be like, if you can just be like this Christian. I want you to know today that my heart is that you would see Jesus for who he is. And that as you would be passionate about hypocrisy in people's lives, Jesus was passionate about that. Because he wanted people to be right with his father in heaven. And the beauty of the story is that Jesus made a way for you to be right with God. Jesus made a way for you to get a new heart. And that he died on the cross for your hypocrisy and for my hypocrisy. He died on the heart for the he died on the cross for the ways that we don't measure up. And the Bible says that three days later, he walked out of the grave. And when he walked out of the grave, he conquered death, he conquered, conquered sin, and he conquered the devil. And today, you can walk out of this room not focused on Christians who are hypocrites. You can walk out of this room focused on Christ who died for your sin, was buried, and rose again. And you can have a new heart. And you can know for the first time what it means to live the abundant life that Jesus offers. Because the abundant life is from a heart, a new heart that comes through him. Today, I would invite you to put your faith and trust in Jesus and to have your heart of stone replaced with a heart of flesh. To get a new heart today. And then for those of you that would say, I, I have that new heart. I remember that day that I transferred my trust to Christ, but hypocrisy has creeped back into my life. That the face that I put on on Sunday at my Antioch group when I serve is not the real me. And today you would say, I want to take Psalms 51.10 and I want to pray that prayer every day this week. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Reveal the hypocrisy in my life so that I can live in a way that honors him. Would you do that this week? Lord, help us to be a church family. That goes after the heart. To know as we look at our own lives that are broken as we look at a world that is broken, that it always comes back to the heart. Whether religion or irreligious, it always comes back to the heart. And so, Lord, I pray for the person in here who needs a new heart, that today would be the day of their salvation. Today would be the day they would receive a new heart through you so they can live from who they are in you. And for those of us that have made that decision, I would ask that you would reveal to us, that I would ask that you would create in us a clean heart. That those pockets of hypocrisy in our life that we know 
that's between us and you, that, Lord, in those pockets of our heart, that you would create a clean heart in those areas. And I love the promise that you made us, that you're not going to reject or despise a broken and a contrite heart. That if we come to you with that kind of heart, you will help us. You will give us the grace that we need to live the life that you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to antiochbbc.org. That's antiochbbc.org. God's best to you.